Welcome to the I Want to Like Whiskey podcast. Maybe you've had a bad experience with whiskey in the past or had very strong, neat spirit thrust upon you and surprisingly not enjoyed it. If so, then this is the conversation for you. I'm Rob Patchett, Global Whiskey Ambassador for the Cotswolds Distillery, and I'm joined by leading personalities in the drinks industry who agree that more people need to drink whiskey, but on their terms. We discuss whiskey cocktails, experiences, great people to follow in the industry, and how you can find your way into whiskey. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the I Want to Like Whiskey podcast. On today's episode, I have the great privilege of being joined by a man who has a great pedigree of working in some of the best bars in the world, as well as formerly an ambassador of one of my favorite other gin brands. And now, as far as I'm led to be aware, he is now head of development at White Box Cocktails. But let's not forget, Jack also has one of the best YouTube channels when it comes to just talking about easy, mid and super complex styles of cocktails and flavor. Jack Waring, welcome to the podcast. Hey Rob, how are you? I'm all right, mate. How are you? Fantastic. Yeah, I, I actually got a, I got a dog yesterday, so I'm like a little bit wired. But uh, yeah, we rescued a dog, so I'm I'm super stoked to. Oh mate. Yeah, super stoked to to get involved in, in the the dog ownership life. So I'm uh, yeah. Well, I'm here. I'm here for that as well. I have two <laughs> myself, Smokey nice. and Bandit. Um, oh, nice. And there's there's never any looking back once you get a dog. I can it, definitely attest to that. That's it. That's what I'm hoping for. You know, no, no dull days. No, 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 no. Definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. They they only get better from here on in. Uh, Jack. So I mean, for anyone that doesn't know who you are, uh, I must admit, for someone that is so prolific within the industry and um, you know so well versed on everything that is flavour, you do actually fly quite underneath the radar. <laughs> um, so do you want to sort of give us five on who you are, what you are, what you're doing? Yeah, sure. So, um, hi everyone. My, my name is Jack. Um, I look after all of the R and D, so all of the research, um, development, um, flavor profiling, uh, liquid development for a company called White Box Cocktails, um, which is you've no doubt if you have been out and about and shopping in delis and bottle shops and anywhere that sells good bread, good wine, or good cheese, you might have seen these little cans of Negroni, very small dinky cans. Um, that's us. Uh, we do a whole range of other classic stuff as well, and so I, I look after all the recipe ideation and uh, development of how to actually translate some of the coolest um, classic cocktails into a can form without completely um, messing up their balance or flavour profile. Um, and uh, we we say that they're better canned cocktails because let's be honest, canned cocktails are generally a pretty naff. Uh, so we, we, we aim to elevate that category of cocktails to something that you would be happy to be served in a bar. So um, not skimping on ABVs or ingredients or anything that you wouldn't usually find in a bar, you're not going to find in our cocktails. You know? So we, uh, yeah, we want to create this shelf for ourselves. We're not the premium, we're that like, next level up, that, that, um, that, that, that scale of uh, cocktail where you're like, 
I'm going to treat myself to this rather than your everyday convenience product. This is much more of an experience. The dependable cocktail, canned cocktail brand. That's it. That's it. That's what we're aiming to be. Um, and uh, yes, we, we have 10 cocktails out right now for the likes of Negroni and Boulevardier. 10? Yeah, we got two freezer drinks. So two martinis. We have a dry gin martini and a dirty vodka martini that sit in your freezer. You leave them alone. And then when you really want them, um, you run a bath and you pour it into your glass and it'll It'll freeze your glass. It's that cold. We say it's the coldest martini on the planet, and, and no one stopped us yet. So we'll, we're we're um, we're going to keep saying it. So it, and nor should they. Just make those statements. <laughs> yeah, right. Make those statements. Yeah. So it it comes out about minus twenty eight degrees. So um, yeah, pours like silk and uh, has this wonderful texture to it that you can only really get in kind of those barmaid uh, martinis. But uh, yeah, served colder than than a, a, any martini you're going to get served in a bar. That's for sure. And what ABV does that come out at? So both of them are sitting around 34. So 34.2 and 34.4. Yeah. Nice. So they're, they're full strength. There's about 85 mils of gin and vodka in each one. So it's a, it's a big kind of Duke's Bar serving of martini rather than anything else you're going to get around. So. No, I think you got that absolutely spot on because, <laughs> you know, canned cocktails, like you say, they can be a bit naff and a bit low in abv and if you're going to have a canned martini let's not mess about i mean dukes don't go direct from and then even when you stir down a decent martini still your mid-30s is that sweet spot so i love that exactly exactly yeah so so, so we have uh those martinis we have uh, a couple of whiskey drinks we have an old-fashioned that is on cherry wood which is kind of interesting it's actually a um it's a grain whiskey from um south uh sorry north british um, that we take in casks and then um, they sit around for about three years and then uh, we make old fashions and then we rest the whole lot on cherry wood. Um, so we, we kind of as bartenders, we all, we all kind of think that an old fashioned is probably the easiest cocktail to make at home because it's, it's sweet whiskey and bitters, you know, super easy to make at home. So we wanted to elevate that and make it something that you couldn't do at home, uh, you know. So we're incorporating this cherry wood, so it has this almost like tannic, um, dry stone fruit kind of note to it. Um, but if you if you're not searching for it, you're not going to find it. It's it's this really nice, delicate balance of of letting the whiskey shine through, but also having this uh, kind of delicate uh, brightness to the back of it as well. And it's kind of it sits on that richest richer side of of um, of. Uh, of old-fashioned but still has this like brightness to it and then what else is in the range before i launch into about 200 questions <laughs> uh so if i'm not if i'm not getting this wrong so we've got three fizzies we have a a, a whiskey highball so that's um a scotch whiskey with uh, soda water peach and tea um we've got disco baby which is a vodka soda with watermelon and lemon thyme which is um, developed by our good friends at three sheets in dalston um we've got hippie fizz which is our gin porter's gin with um, uh, pineapple, patchouli, and passion fruit. And I always describe that one as um, like as if a uh, Bacardi Breezer grew up and got its shit together and moved out of home <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> managed to get his life in order. Uh, that's that's kind of what, what that one's like. You know, it's a bit more grown up, it's a bit more refined, but still hits those kind of like naughty fruity notes. Then we've got, um, so yeah, Negroni Boulevardier, two... Uh, uh, two martinis then we've got a, a, a margarita a cosmo um and i'm missing a loadout i know i am we, I, we're working on so many right now so yeah 10 10 in total 
Um, but uh, yeah, we're always expanding. So we're just about to launch a few new really cool ones. So the likes of the espresso martini and the mojito and the daiquiri and stuff like that. So we're going to tackle all those next. That's what we're going to do next. So, I mean, canned cocktails, forgive me, forgive me if I'm wrong, but you know, those very much came to the forefront during the pandemic. Would that be right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, they've been around for a while, um, but that kind of convenience of on your feet drinking, not necessarily having to go to a, a venue or a pub to get a cocktail, I think is that really sparked this kind of new generation of stuff. And that's definitely where we, we kind of uh, came into existence as well. As, as bartenders running a, a booze brand, we always want to make cocktails. But you answered my so, other part of the question was, you know, this is definitely a bartender-led endeavor because you can tell just by not only the branding, but also the execution. Yeah. There are no accountants that are culpable for this. This is all based on people that want to create flavor. Yes, that's it. That's it. And we always say, like, when when we're coming up with these these uh, drinks, that the cocktail dictates the can size. So if it's like this sessionable drink that you're supposed to, you know, drink on your feet with barbecues or pals and kind of take your time with in in the sun, or if it's going to be fizzy or something like that, it tends to be longer, lower ABV. But if it's something that is kind of like an, an occasion, maybe you're not going to have one every day, but you want to mark an occasion with something really cool, the ABV is going to get higher and the can's going to get smaller. So we, we're always very aware of like how these are going to be served. Um, we don't necessarily kind of like consider ourselves a convenience product, um, but there's, there's, a, there's a real kind of um, uh, occasion to what we do. One thing that we found in, in lockdown is that people were celebrating micro occasions. So any excuse to kind of like, hey, it's it's Friday and the sun's out. Let's get to get together over the fences or whatever, or let's meet you in the park or whatever. And there were lots of Fridays and there were lots of Fridays with the sun out. And plus, I think, like you said as well, people were just spending more money on booze at home because yeah. you could kind of a little bit afford to splash a bit. So getting a proper martini and a proper Negroni, completely worth it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and with that, with the expanding kind of thirst for um, cocktails, um, people generally kind of gravitate towards things that are pre-made because, um, you know, to make a Negroni, for example, you're spending the best part of 75 quid, depending on the vermouth and gin, um, to make a Negroni at home. And if you can spend a fiver doing the same thing, then there's, there's this kind of like, um, this this kind of dipping the toe in the water of the cocktail industry, I guess, of the cocktail world. Yeah. Um, not knowing whether you're really going to enjoy something and spending a lot of money on it, you can spend a, a small amount to really kind of like get to know it and get to know the vibes of things. So that's that's kind of where we're sitting as well. We're we're, we're trying to introduce people to drinking better from a can, um, and you don't necessarily have to um, you don't have to uh, lower the quality of ingredients or you know, add more water to something for it to be in a can. Well, the thing as well is it's a bar quality drink coming out of a can. And I don't care. I mean, I have an okay setup at home for making drinks, but I work in the drinks industry and I love what I do. But for the most part, people usually have a shoddy shaker. They don't have a bar spoon. Their ice is terrible. Let's be completely honest. Their vermouth (laughs) isn't in the fridge. And do you know what? We've all got lives to leave. We've all got dogs running around soaking up all of our time. So sometimes having all of this in place just isn't correct. Whereas if you've got a couple of martinis in the freezer and a couple of Negronis in the fridge door and all of a sudden you just feel like, yep, 
I need to have a stiff drink because it's been a great day or a bad day or anything in between. Yeah. That's where it yeah. sits as well for me. So I think that yeah. I think the hitting that level of cocktail pre-batched at such a high level is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and um, we're going to continue to do it. You know, we've 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 got ten cocktails right now, and we're we're hoping to be around about twenty cocktails this time next year. So we've got a. I I I mean, my list of R and D is uh, about twenty six cocktails long. Um, so twelve of those have been signed off already. So we're we're waiting in the wings. We have uh, a whole heap of a whole host of stuff that we're uh, we're we're just about to unleash on the world. Um, and part of like part of what we do is each cocktail looks completely different. Um, and again, that comes back to the kind of the cocktail dictating the can size, and the cocktail also dictates what it looks like. So we didn't want it to be like this this generic um, generic can of, of of whatever with like slightly different hues or slightly different shades on it. Um, we wanted to have this cocktail really speak to the packaging. Um, and that's why each one is, is entirely different. We're, we're trying to rein it back a little bit more because a lot of people uh, have seen our Negroni and then seen our, our Margarita and be like, wait a minute, they're made by the same people? What? I, I didn't know this. And so we're, we're trying to kind of rein it in slightly. But There's yeah, got to be so a middle ground with that sort of stuff, isn't there? Yeah. 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 Um, Speaking from experience, I know exactly where you're coming from. <laughs> I guess as well, if we talk about White Box, we have to sort of go back quite a few years when we talk about the genesis, not only of the brand, but then also you working even pre-Porters mm -hmm. with the likes of um, with the likes of Josh, with the likes of Alex, mm -hmm. um, and you know, you guys were all bartenders independently wherever you were, whether you were up in Scotland or you were down in London. And mm -hmm. you were all part of this revolution that came around around about the same time as Mr. Lion did, where everything just got turned upside down with regards to <laughs> flavor, sustainability, consistency, ease of service. And, yeah, you know, taking... I mean, I would say that if you look on a timeline of, you know cocktails mixology cocktailology whatever you want to call it <laughs> if you look at where you guys sit with your sort of not starting point but when you really came into your own i would say that you guys were post twizzly mustaches sleeve garters I mean, we all did it you know there's no getting yeah. away from it but you guys definitely <laughs> there's pictures floating around somewhere yeah, yeah exactly sure. but you still you still sort of you, you went past that and you actually took all of the um the crazy showmanship that was completely unnecessary and just went, no, good drinks that are always consistent. I mean, can you talk a little bit about that time? I mean, sure. what would you say that was around? It was, it was what? Yeah, so around kind of 2016, 2017, um, maybe back to 2015 probably, um, that is, yeah, re really kind of like batching cocktails was kind of an underground art that was, kind of frowned upon a lot of the times you know and, and I, I met Alex working at Dandelion um, and so I was there for uh, three or four years and um, that, that was really great and our whole cocktail system was all based around we're a super busy bar so there's no way that we can pick up 12 bottles for one drink um, so let's batch everything so there's no more than three touches for any drink um, and that's kind of like where it all kind of comes from. Because when you're considering batching, you're like, wait a minute, I can spend three hours before service making these ingredients, making these batches the best they can be so that I don't have to run around in the bar. And that makes my life easier. 
and it makes all, all my other bartenders' uh, lives easier. So, you know, let's really play into that and how do we make those batches taste the best they can. Um, so a lot of it comes from kind of, uh, a, a lot of the, the kind of ideation comes from um, groupthink. You know, we're, we're, we're all on the bar together every single night. Um, what do we want to see our drinks look like or taste like? Or um, how do we want to serve them that makes it easy for us, but it's still kind of that, that showmanship for, for our guests? Uh, and so there's a real, there's a real fine line, you know, working for Dandelion, the, the, the precursor to Dandelion was White Lion, which was a, which is a bar that didn't use any ice at all, no fresh citrus, no fresh ingredients whatsoever. Everything was batched. Um, they didn't even use, you know, jiggers or barware because everything was measured by the gram. So they had a scale and they knew how much the, the glassware weighed and they knew how much the liquid weighed for any particular serve. And so everything was weighed out like that. So there was no wastage in terms of like washing things. You didn't have to continuously wash your jiggers or spoons or tins. Um, you know, so that a lot of the sensibilities from White Lion got transferred over into Dandelion and then Dandelion was really where we kind of branched out and we took everybody uh, in the bar um, into that process of creating and reforming and re reshaping what we're doing to one, make it easier for everybody and more, more efficient, but two, making it the tastiest as possible. So all the menus that we made were either done as like a, hey, here's the headline for the, for the menu, go off and figure something out and come back to me in a week or whatever. Or it was, I know I wanna make this style of serve and I know it's gonna be using these kind of ingredients. Let's all talk about this together to kind of make it form the place that it needs to be in these menus. So we weren't stepping on anybody's toes. No one was making the same drink twice. Everyone came together every week to discuss what they were doing. And it was like this really amazing collaborative project to um, come up with really individual and unique ideas and be exposed to tastes and flavors that no one, well, one person in the group might know, but then nobody else does. Um, so yeah, we, we were really fortunate to kind of like um, grow up in that, what, I, I mean, like come up through the through the bar industry in that um, in that setting. It was a revolutionary time in the bar scene. Yeah, it was. It I really remember was. reading about White Lion, you know, no citrus, no ice, temperature controlled, fridge freezers. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've got to talk about it because I remember when I tasted it, it blew my mind. But the Moby Dick Sazerac. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Yeah, you know, even to this day, that still blows my mind. And I think it was 2014 when I tasted yeah. that, so nine years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? So it, yeah, th that's those like esoteric ingredients, like chicken bones and and yeah. um, what's the is the is the whale vomit right? What's that called? I forget the name. Ambergris. Ambergris. There you go. There you go. Yeah, which has been used for you know hundreds of years in perfumes. Um, but uh, yeah, using this really almost like off-putting element um, and then adding that as a, as a kind of a hook to intrigue people who are, who are kind of out looking for that kind of thing. So on, on all of our menus, there'll be, uh, you know, five drinks that everybody drinks. There'll be three drinks that kind of more seasoned drinkers will have. And then there'll be one or two that are, you know, the real kind of out there explorers in terms of the... Um, the drinks or the food that they're eating um, it be for those people. So there was 
Yeah, ambergris a, a funny one because it, one, it's it's more expensive than gold, weight for weight, and it's 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 so unique in terms of its flavour profile, and it's so pungent in terms of like use the tiniest amount, and it's way overblown. It's kind of like truffle in that respect, you know. Everyone's going crazy for those kind of like savoury flavours. Um, and chicken bones was another one. You know, we made a martini where we dissolved chicken bones in phosphoric acid, which is an acid that doesn't really exist in nature, um, but it exists in Coca-Cola. Um, and so it's, 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 it's one of those things that is, is kind of almost manufactured to, make, to trick our brains into thinking that this is the most delicious thing I've had. And that's one of the reasons why Coke is so like, addictive. Uh, Coca-Cola, that is. Um, and right. uh, there's... Um, good save, right? Uh, there's, um, and, and, and so we dissolve these chicken bones in phosphoric acid and then you kind of add these back into your drink and what the chicken bones will do, they'll, they'll kind of dissolve and release all their, their, their calcium and, 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 and kind of harder, um, uh, bigger elements uh, and that would neutralize some of the acid um, and then we'd put like a dash into a, in, into a, a, a martini and you'd have this kind of, we, we call it minerality, but it's this this kind of like almost like wet stone kind of vibe. This like um, you know the, the the pavement after it's rained. Kind yeah, of it's thing it's the Chablis to... Riesling effect that you would describe during yeah. wine. And when people go, 100%. I don't really get minerality. It's like, well, have you ever smelt <laughs> hot tarmac after it's rained? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah that's it. That's it. Yeah. So um, yeah, a lot of the times, what we do more than anything else is play with texture. Uh, and that's, that's a big thing that was not necessarily thought about, but, but kind of definitely overlooked at the time that we were making our drinks. Um, you know, it, it, was, it was always something to do with texture modification or making th things feel heavier or making things feel lighter or sparklier or, um, you know, juicier. Um, with the ingredients that we had. And a, a lot of people think that at Dandelion, a lot of people think that we had all these crazy toys like Rotovaps and, and centrifuges and all this stuff, but we didn't. We had a, we had a, a blender um, and a water bath and that was it. Like Yeah, I did hear that you guys did everything and it was at absolute most extreme. It was sous vide. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, we use sous vide for loads of stuff. And that's because you can set it and forget it and then you can spend your time doing something else and come back to it later. And again, that's all about like workflow and making things easier and, and, and more efficient. Um, and so you could put something sous vide on first thing in the morning and then by the time your, your prep shift finishes at, at four or five or whatever, you take everything out and strain it and put it in the fridge and it's done. And, and you know, it, it's the kind of stuff that you can that is that just takes care of itself and doesn't need that much kind of babysitting um and a, a lot of those things like those longer processes we we did start getting into fermentation and stuff which is a lot more what lioness does now yeah um, which is what dandelion has, has kind of, has become so dandelion uh died in in 2019 um and lioness took its place and lioness is much more focused on um fermentation and the the manipulation of flavor, uh, whereas we were much more focused on where we can get flavor in nature. Yeah. Um, and uh, Linus has taken that a step further by, uh, yes, we can get this in nature, but we can turn it into something completely different. Through a um, natural process, though. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. 
So I want to talk about obviously your your work within flavor and everything like that, mm -hmm. but it, it it'd be remiss of me if I didn't actually bring up another product of what lockdown was, which is your YouTube channel, which, yes. you know, yeah. I don't think you've been uploading recently just because life kind of came back to normal and you're busy. But yeah. I, during lockdown, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed <laughs> your YouTube channel simply because I thought the way that you approach flavor and the way that you approached actually making drinks in three different categories mm -hmm. and then the history of some of the flavor profiles that you were working with, with one single ingredient yeah. was... I mean, I'm a drinks nerd. I've been in the industry for a long, long time. Yes, I have loads of stupid esoteric um, cocktail pages on YouTube and Instagram, and I enjoy them all. I have to say, Jack, without blowing smoke, yours was probably the most original that I ever saw. And if anyone has the opportunity, um, what, was your, what was your YouTube channel called? It's Jack Wearing Cocktails. Jack Wearing Cocktails. Yeah. Find it. Watch them. They're absolutely awesome. And if you're not into making super difficult cocktails, that's okay. He's got them all covered. Do you want to talk about yeah. that a little bit, though? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so so the idea of, of this was, you know, I, I was the brand ambassador for Porter's Gin when lockdown happened, and um, I couldn't get out and talk with people in bars. I couldn't get out and knock on doors and say, hey, do you want to buy my gin? Um, so uh, I set up a, a, um, a camera in my garden, and every Wednesday I'd make three drinks based around one ingredient that was lying around in my home. So... Um, it started off on, on Instagram. We just did Instagram Lives and they worked out really well. And the idea was like, you can't go out and buy gear to make cocktails. You've also got like three things in the cupboard and you can't buy anything else in the shops because the, 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 um, the aisles are bare. And so what I do is I'd go out that week, I'd find something that was abundant in the shops. One One week it was like melons for some reason. You couldn't buy cucumbers, you couldn't buy... Um, lemons, but you could buy melons. So uh, that was that was one thing. So um, the whole process of it was called One Thing Wednesdays. So you would take one thing. It was on a Wednesday. You'd make three drinks. That that was that. So one of them. So the first drink would be super simple. So you'd make um, I don't know like a highball or something where you take the actual ingredient and you take a booze and you smash it together and it doesn't take much more process than that. Um, and then. Uh, the next one uh, was Mega Tasty, which was kind of in the middle of like super nerdy and really simple. And usually it, it would involve either making a syrup or a tincture or something relatively easy to make, whether you just smash this, this one ingredient with some booze or some sugar or some wine, whatever. And you then make a cocktail using that ingredient that you've made. So it's an extra step in, involved. And then um, Ultra Fancy was the third category, which was... Uh, going kind of all out with like modern gastronomy and kind of modern. They were the dandelion techniques. drinks, right? Yeah, exactly. The, the, these were the drinks that you you a lot more involved. You kind of have to think a couple of days prior before making these things, or you could batch up in a in a in a big um, in a big bottle before a party or something like that. Not that anyone was having parties apart from Boris, <laughs> but it's it was. Uh, uh, you know, it, it, it was a time where we were really exploring kind of what was really going on. And everyone was was, was perpetually online at that, at that point as well. So in order to kind of engage people in the brand more, I'd make three cocktails using porters that would uh, incorporate one ingredient that I could find. And then that kind of naturally progressed into YouTube when I started taking it a bit more seriously 
Um, you know, I bought the Adobe suite so I could edit properly. I did proper like sound, did proper voiceovers, you know, just making it polished and more, more of a, a final product than someone just messing around in their garden um, whilst it was sunny, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think I did, uh, I did 26 videos um, in 20, from, from 2020 to 2021. Um, and, uh, yeah, so each video is, is about 10 minutes long concentrates on one um, ingredient or fruit or there's a tea or there's coffee or whatever um, and I talk a little bit about where things come from and why we use them and then kind of dive into what we're making so there's a few few really nice uh, ideas there really simple drinks to make but then if you really you know put the effort in you could make some make some crazy serve that no one's no one's going to forget so Mate, I loved them. You, uh, you definitely were a bright spot in my pandemic lockdown. So um, <laughs> well, thank you I wanted much. to highlight that just to say thank you more than anything else. But they, they still hold up to this day. They're not those sort of thank things you. that people made during lockdown. And then you look back and go, ooh, cringe. It's like, no, those videos still hold up. So yeah. if anyone gets the opportunity, go and find Jack's videos on YouTube. They're really, <laughs> really good. And also, last thing on that. It also it was also the phrase that you used every week, which was "this is infinitely chinnable," which I thought was uh, <laughs> I still use that to this day. People yes. are like, "Oh, is yeah, this any yeah, good?" Yeah. And I'm like, oh, "It's infinitely chinnable, or just yeah. chinnable." <laughs> so uh, yeah, one of those things that you, you finish before before you realise that you finished it. And you're like, yeah, go on, I'll have another one, and it, that that process just loops over and over and over again before you know it. You've had ten, and you wonder where your legs went. Yeah, but then you remember you're at home and it's like, it's yeah, okay. It's I just roll into bed. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, um, I could do this all day and the night, but I'm not going to because we've both got lives and dogs to uh, live with. So I guess if we get back to the main sort of crux of what this podcast is about, it's about mm -hmm. people that want to get into liking whiskey and have said the phrase, I want to like whiskey, which yeah. I'm sure as a bartender and being out in trade as a brand ambassador, you have heard a thousand times over yes. as well. Um I mean, from your experience, what was your sort of introduction to whiskey and how was that journey? Was it straight in, I love it, or was it quite stunted? I, I was one of those people who had really bad experiences with whiskey. So it was, it was kind of when I was first, first started drinking, kind of, you know, 16, 17, 18, with your pals out in a, in a field somewhere um, or at a skate park and trying to avoid your brothers or sisters no, noticing you or anything. Um, we used to buy, uh, like a quarter bottle of Bell's yes. and that was my, that was my introduction to whiskey. And, um, yeah, there's a few times where you over egg it and, and you, you have far too much and that's the worst thing that you can imagine doing. Um, but I think the, the, I was kind of put off it. So from, from kind of 18 up until kind of, I don't know, mid twenties. I didn't touch whiskey. It was only, uh, you know, I, I was okay with cognac and stuff like that, but like brown spirits, I didn't touch because mm. I had such bad uh, um, uh, 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 experiences with them. I remember uh, going to Nuki on a on a lad's holiday, and um, getting those uh, pre-made shots. I don't I don't know whether you can find them anymore, but they were like corkies shots in like a oh, plastic yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, shot had, glass with like a rip like off trays of corkies. You could take the yes. top off. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So there's those, and then Bell's Chaser from the bottle, and that was oh. that was, yeah. That's no, quite the not, boiler maker there, Jack. Yeah, and and then walkabout, obviously, because you're in because you're in Nuki. <laughs> Did you ever go to Bertie's? 
Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I spent a summer working in Bertie's. <laughs> and to be honest with you, I think that's going to be a whole separate podcast series. <laughs> I, think it, I think it takes about that time to, yeah, to, yeah, to, there's a to lot uncover to all those there. But uh, yeah, if anyone's ever been to Bertie's, um, yeah. chances are I saw you. I know what you did. <laughs> um, okay, so obviously Corky's and Bell's Chasers is something yeah. I'm never going to forget and not for the yeah. right reasons. But yeah. what was the turning point? What was the point where you went, oh, whiskey so, can be okay? I think it. I think it was probably. Um, you know, I, I I started training as a sommelier before it kind of got into cocktails, and yeah. um, one one of the guys I was I was hanging around with who was kind of learning a few things from. Uh, he was he was big into whiskey, and and um, I started drinking old fashions with him, and I was like, wait a minute, this is whiskey. This is delicious. Old fashions are amazing. This is great. It feels like uh, you're drinking neat booze. Um, and it, and I, I think it was you know it was probably something pretty pretty standard off the shelf stuff that we were we were drinking, um, but then I think it was it was probably it was either Talisker or Lagavulin, or uh, yeah it, it was it was one of those kind of smokier kind of um, Isla, all the way up kind of scotches that I tried for the first time whilst properly kind of dissecting you know with that kind of sommelier. Yeah. Um, mindset where you're really kind of concentrating what you're what you're in uh, what you're putting in your body um and that really kind of blew my mind in terms of like right okay so this is what whiskey can be going from like your your bells out of the bottle lukewarm on the beach um to to something that is really considered and uh, and really tied together um and then um going into dandelion for the first time as a as a guest uh, before I started working there and speaking with Aiden and then him giving me um, uh, Glendronic 12, uh, which is still to this day my favorite bottle. Um, just super sherried and like amazing and thick and juicy. And uh, I, 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 I could drink Glendronic 12 all day, every day. Um, Dare we say it's infinitely chinable? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. All right. <laughs> I'm going to try and get that in one more time before we're done. <laughs> uh and then I, I guess like um that that kind of got me got me in love with it and then um I entered a competition on a Aiden's behest um which was with Ockentoshin uh and uh, I ended up winning that competition then got to make my own whiskey that and was so the bartender this... series that they did yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. you won that oh wow amazing yes yeah the first the first time first time around I won that with um Georgia Billing um, and then we met up with 10 other bartenders from all over the world who had won their perspective rounds. So there was like the US, Canada, Germany. Um, and then we all kind of came together to make this malt as a, not so much as a committee, but like, this is what us together, this is what we feel we can make that speaks to us right now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Oki's, Oki's super cool because it's, you know, it's triple distilled and it has this completely different character to a lot of other Highland malts. Um, and so we really got to play with wood more than anything else. Um, you know, they have a, an incredible program of, of, uh, of wood. And um, the, uh, the head distiller um, at the time, uh, oh my God, she, her name is just completely blanked. Um, she runs Glenglassor Glen and um, a few other bits now. Uh, it will come to me. Um, so she, she, she studied psychology. And so we, we ran a load of like questionnaires before we got to Glasgow. 
and um, our very first tasting, we had uh, 22 uh, liquids to try. And we like taste them down and like write what we like about them, like what we don't like, all this kind of stuff. We get all the details of like how old it is, what, how, what the wood is, all this kind of stuff. And then at the end of the session, which is exhausting, so 22 yeah, like, yeah, yeah. things to actually like properly bend your mind around. Horrible. Um, we all say our like favorites. Um, and so I pull out my favorite, say it's number 14, and then... Um, uh, the, 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 the blender turns around the bottle and it's got my name written on it. So like she knew I was going to enjoy that one the most what? out of all of them before I even got there. She never met me before. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, I think out of the 12 of us, I think nine of them were like spot on and then one or two were like very, very close. It's bonkers. Like just how characteristic these liquids can be of like our own personalities. It was that's really where I like, okay, whiskey is a lot more than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That sounds like exactly what I love about what whiskey can be. And that is breaking the fourth wall. Not just <laughs> yeah. being spirit, wood, yeah. time, dusty old white person. It's <laughs> yeah. like, no, it can be so much more to so many different types of people. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, it, it was it was phenomenal, man. It was, it was, it was one of the, well, it was the best, the best whiskey experience I've ever had. Um, it was without a doubt the most intriguing, interesting, um, experiences, e even remotely involved with, with Scotland. Um, yeah. just, just, a just, just a, a, a treat. Um, well, the joy as well is you literally went into my next question, which is best whiskey moment. So that's done. <laughs> nice one. Yeah, that's there you like go. That's listened it. Listened to this that's, podcast that's before. It's just, it's just so fluid. Um, but what I also, I mean, this is a question that actually I would think of you when I think about this question, because I, I label it a guilty pleasure, but whiskey mm -hmm. and mixing whiskey should not be a guilty pleasure. But it is just one of those whiskey serves where it's quite unconventional, but you love it and for you, you love it for your reasons. And what would that whiskey serve be? Okay, so th there's a few. Um, I, I, I've just remembered the... Um, Ockentoshan. Uh, Rachel Barry is the Ockentoshan uh, master right. blender. Yeah, At I the time, now she's well moved done. on to... Yeah. So I'd be, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that. Uh, so I think for me, I love pink drinks. I love fluffy drinks. Um, and so a Clover Club with Talisker is pretty much up there in terms of like one of my favorite things to have. Um, yes, it kind of wraps around this like beautiful juicy raspberry. Uh, with like a, a lick of smoke, but nothing too crazy. Um, that's really cool. And then um, we, I, we, I did a, um, um, a Scotland trip with my girlfriend uh, years ago, and um, we bought a bottle of Johnny Green because I heard it was it was changing. Um, and we quite, <laughs> uh, we shouldn't have really done it because it was so expensive. But we 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 drank the whole bottle in. Um, uh, hot chocolates. So Johnny Green hot chocolate, I think, is like next level. Um, purely because whiskey it, on your terms, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it has this. Again, it's that like lick of smoke without anything kind of overly overpowering, but this big warm roundness to it that you just don't get um, with. Uh, with While with, we're on with... Scotland and Johnny Walker and then <laughs> those alternative flavors, I need to ask you a question because I was at the Johnny Walker experience the other week, mm -hmm. and I had this wicked highball that was cold brew johnny black and bonacord cream soda 
Oh yeah, that stuff is amazing. What is that? So Bonacord's a, a, a Scottish yeah. um, producer, right? Um, but the stuff they do is so like tailored towards stuff that's around there. I yeah, that it's it's one of those things where it's it's kind of like like um, like whiskey coconut water, right? It's like the the Dave Broom special of like. Yeah. You, you try it neat, you try it with, with uh, green tea and you try it with coconut water. It's that coconut water that is elevated to that next level of being like, right, okay, what do we like in coconut water and how do we make those flavors pop more? And cream soda is like number one. Like that's, that's a, lot, a lot of the flavor tasting notes that you get from really good, like multi scotch, you get kind of cream soda or butterscotch biscuits or all that kind of stuff, like toffee crisp kind of flavors. Yeah, um, yeah. big, v- big vanillas. Big yeah, vanillas. exactly, yeah, that exactly. And so that's that's just like lifting all those out and elevating that even even further. Yeah. Okay, I just wanted wow. to clarify that, but yeah, cold yeah. brew cream soda, and you yeah. know, hey, I've got I've got nothing against Johnny Black, but you know, insert whichever necessary whiskey you need in that, and it was a yeah. great drink. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Sorry, but I interrupted you. So obviously you've just done a bottle of Johnny Green in hot chocolate after your Talisker yes. Clover Clubs, which I'm so yes. on board with. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the yeah, so the, it's those two drinks, which I think is is the is the kind of the the naughtiest thing um, because it's it's almost sacrilege, right? You, you're drinking malt whiskey or, or, or blended malt whiskey at least um, with uh, in something that's that's kind of like a sweetie or like a um, uh, like an, a, a a dinner drink, for example, after dinner drink, or a kids drink. You know, that's that's kind of what. It, what yeah, I uh, mean, I guess my only thing is, uh, whiskey. Whiskey is definitely changing these days, mm-hmm. and you know, I've said multiple times that you know, I want to see whiskey in the summer. I want to see it on pre-dinner drinks menus, and yeah. I want to see it in drinks that the masses, not just the whiskey nerds, can enjoy. So you know, mm-hmm. if I hear Talisker Clover Club, I'm not like. Oh, how could you? I'm like, yes, more <laughs> things like that. More things yeah, like that. Exactly right. Yeah, one uh, one of the drinks I I made for the uh, Oki Comp was um, uh, it was a Mizawari with with um, uh, strawberry water. So it nice. was just like blended strawberries and water strained out, but like super clear, very crisp, very cold, um, and that just kind of leans into the, the fruity notes, kind of lean into. The kind of bigger, juicier notes of, of, of Highland Scotch. So, yeah, th- those those kind of fruity and also like nostalgic drinks as well. Nostalgia plays such a huge part in like our flavor profile and things that we tried as a kid have such a momentous impact on what we like oh, you, now. You have those ratatouille moments, you know, where it yeah, just <laughs> exactly. transports yeah. you right back to that place. And I think yeah. that these days, whiskey distilleries go on and on and on on all of their all of their um all of their tasting notes and everything like that you can taste this fruit and that fruit and that fruit and this fruit you know whiskey whiskey peaches and apricots Mm -hmm. and dates and all that sort of flavor profile and all of a sudden you make a drink with peaches or apricots with whiskey you get these old heads going whoa you can't do that and it's like listen mate come on we're just trying to amplify what already exists in the whiskey yeah so why why is it yeah, exactly. I don't know. I mean, maybe yeah. I'm setting I'm trying to make a grown-up petty for Lou here. Right? Well, yeah, exactly. And there is nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong. Yeah, if, it, exactly. if it made you smile back then and it still makes you smile today, then, you know, you're now of a legal and sound body mind and whatever. <laughs> so you can just make it a bit spiked and boozy with whiskey. Yeah, yeah. And that, that it's, it's, it's always been my, my um, kind of, 
view on whiskey in general like whiskey's made to be drunk like no one no whiskey distiller or, or or blender or anyone associated with that bottle would ever want it to stand on a shelf and gather no. dust unless it is specifically designed for that which not many bottles are but it, it i think it would break distillers hearts and blenders hearts to to know that their bottles aren't aren't being drunk because it's like yeah no, I exactly need that to be <laughs> for you to enjoy like that's the whole idea of it. You know how hard distillers work, and it's yeah. like okay, do you want to see people sat around drinking and laughing, and your whiskey is the cause of that, or do you mm. want to see it locked up somewhere or on a shelf gathering dust or just being pinged around auction sites, getting more and more expensive to the point where people won't drink it? Yeah, yeah, that's it. I know that's which it. one our guys would choose in a heartbeat. A hundred percent. That's 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 all part of it as well, isn't it? Like it, drinking's supposed to be fun. As long as it, yeah. when it stops being fun, you know, it's it's no good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Exactly. As long as it doesn't affect you physically, emotionally, or mentally, then just have at <laughs> it and have fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, Jack. I don't like whiskey. What are you going to give me to get me into whiskey? Um, okay. So I've been thinking about this, and I think it is. It's a highball. It's uh, a classic. Japanese style, crisp, extremely cold, extremely fizzy, served in a handled mug with either fried food or barbecue food. Now um, you're talking. That's how you get people into whiskey with food. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I feel like it's 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 a really good likeness because pe- people are used to drinking beer with like spicy food or with barbecue or that kind of like social um kind of almost stand on your feet like social eating kind of uh, yeah. establishments um and you're used to drinking beer and it fits the niche there and i think a highball when it's super crisp and super cold it's like a really nice crisp rice beer um and you have this like uh this umami moment where where you finish the sip and go and it that like kind of changes the way that you in, that you interact with your food as well. You kind of like right, okay, brilliant. I can taste everything again. Or like that was super it does spicy. cleanse the palate, especially yeah. if you get the cold. If you get it ice cold, there's nothing wrong with putting a bit of whiskey in the freezer. Your yeah. glass is in the freezer, and if you can obviously get your ice at a nice point where it's tempered, but not. To people that work in the industry, you know what I'm about to say. But for those of you that don't. Um, <laughs> overly frozen ice yeah which might be the dumbest thing i've ever said but also <laughs> if you know you know yeah. think that scene in dumb and dumber when he puts his tongue on the uh, on the ski lift and gets it stuck things can be too frozen okay yes but if you get all of those elements right a good whiskey soda is just an elixir absolute it really elixir. Is. a little yeah. bit maybe even a little bit of lemon zest over the top oh, yeah. just to sort of give it a oh, bit yeah. more brightness as well yeah oh. and but i food, think if... food well done yes yeah i think food food, food is the key for it and i think like even even if 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 you go for a splash of you know bartender's ketchup of uh, elderflower liqueur or a or a, a raspberry liqueur or something, even that will just like kick it up to eleven. So people who don't drink whiskey, it it, it is a fairly dry drink. Well, it's a dry drink. It's it's a, a kind of compatible to a gin and tonic, I guess, but yeah. has that um, even even drier uh, kind of uh, palate to it. But finishes up really clean and really smooth and doesn't leave anything on the palate. So I those think lighter liqueurs are spot on though. Bit of rancan yeah. can or peach liqueur, yeah. bit of flambois, raspberry liqueur, yeah. apricot liqueur if you've got it. Anything like oh, that. Yeah. Anything that's just a little bit light that you might find as a flavor profile in the whiskey. Yeah. Just 
a little bit in the bottom, good to Amp go. Amp it up. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. But obviously, besides soda, I you know I I forever am looking down the supermarket aisle at different whiskey mixers. I have spoken many many times about Appletizer just being mm-hmm. one of the most accessible if you're Amazing. not a ginger beer or soda person. Are you seeing any mixers out there that you just kind of go, that's got whiskey written all over it? Uh well, immediately is the is the white grape and apricot from Fever Tree. That's like my man. Yep. One of the one of the best products I think they've ever made. You know, Fever Tree didn't really... I mean, I went and did a tasting at the Fever Tree offices mm-hmm. and they were all like, yeah, we'll have a gin and tonic. Yeah, we'll have this spritz. And I was like, no, no, no. Get me two cases of your apricot and white grape soda. I've pulled out the whiskey and started making them like these white grape and apricot spritzes. Yeah. And everyone in the Fever Tree offices were going, oh, we didn't think of it like this. And I was like, <laughs> well, let me tell you that there is yeah. a lot of bartenders out there that did and do and you've got a winner here. <laughs> That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 one of those things. I could I could drink buckets of that by itself anyway. But let alone when you add whiskey to it. It's it's yeah. It's 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 one of those things that's very cleverly put together. It's one of those flavor combinations that just sits in the sweet spot of not being saccharine or like overly sweet, but also having enough fruitiness that really kind of brings through like stone fruit in general. And any whiskey and stone fruit is gonna is gonna be yeah. pretty amazing. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's that longer serve brightness, freshness. Uh, yeah, I don't think you can get much better than that, but failing that, I think, you know, I, I, I do sit on the, the whiskey coconuts every now and again, just like regular coconut water or, um, uh, to be seeing anything on the shelf that I've really kind of like wanted to, to, to drink whiskey with. I don't think I've seen anything kind of super recently but i think that that grape and 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 uh, apricot is is the closest thing i can get to perfection so i say it on nearly every episode but if you ever get the opportunity i think she's now in waitrose and sainsbury's mm-hmm. um, i'm gonna get her on this podcast when she's not so busy but Tulula white she's got a, a brand called seckford yeah and she created it because she wanted a whiskey mixer that she could enjoy herself and yeah. it's a uh, sicilian orange rosemary uh, with a little bit of gentian Clear white, so clear, clear, transparent soda. Yeah. Um, built exactly for whiskey. How? If you, it, it's just like an orange and white label, super punchy and really noticeable. But if you ever see mm. any, just grab a quick bottle. Yeah. It's it's it it just works and Tulum is awesome. brilliant for doing it because it is yeah. a simplistic build. So yeah, mm. really good. Um, I can't believe how long we've been talking. Uh, right. Okay. <laughs> so last but not least, obviously, uh, I call this the punch-up section, and that is mm-hmm. just so that you can basically amplify a person, a product, and a place that people should really know about if they don't. Mm-hmm. So, Jack, who, what, and where should people be aware of right now that's exciting in the whiskey and drinks industry? So, uh, who I think um, uh, it, this is this is Greg. Um, uh, Greg Hewitt um, from uh, Seed Library, who's also in my place. Uh, so Greg, Greg does a, um, a drinks uh, drinks pop up that's called GH Drinks um, that is starting to kind of filter around London a bit more, and I'm sure he's going to take it uh, further afield as well. But um, all of his drinks are based on um, that that kind of nostalgic moment that we were talking about earlier. This this kind of um, not necessarily kind of heresy, but like pulling quite close to the mark in terms of like these things shouldn't be together. Um, everything's served really cheekily. There's usually bags of crisps and, and you know caramel wafers and 
and, uh, and WKDs and stuff usually go everywhere and all that kind of stuff. It's very naughty. It's very. It reminds me of drinking at house parties when you were kind of barely old enough. The thing is with that stuff, I love it, and we have to sort of have a bit of a step back moment on that one because, like, okay, mm -hmm. my brother's forty seven, mm -hmm. um, and. He was raised on that sort of stuff. So all yeah. of a sudden, if you start putting it in perspective that you've got people that are nearly 50, sorry, Steve, um, <laughs> and they remember all of those flavor pairings yeah. and those sort of drinks when they were coming up, then all of a sudden you're yeah. thinking, we are that old generation that look at these drinks of nostalgia and go, yeah, these are brilliant. These are yeah. not to be dismissed. <laughs> yeah. These are what we yeah. all need in our lives. Yeah. That's it, and I, I, Greg does a really great job of like kind of elevating these these drinks into they're very modern serves, but they they also kind of link to nostalgia in every aspect, whether it's you know the way it's served or what it's served with or the flavor profile of it, um, while still maintaining this like really super modern kind of um, uh, technique. So yeah, he's 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 definitely my my who that everybody should be, be paying attention to. Greg Hewitt. Um, my my uh, my what um, is win win chocolate. I know it doesn't quite sit in the whiskey world, but it's made from barley, so I guess it's it's chocolate. Uh, something. Chocolate sits with whiskey. <laughs> yeah. So um, a, uh, um, a Palo Alto called Johnny Drain has just started a company. It's called Win Win Chocolate. Um, it's uh, cacao free chocolate. It is future. It's like one of one of the coolest innovations that I've seen in products in. I think ever. Um, so it's it's all on it's all on fermented barley. It's kind of what we were talking about before with with fermentation and uh, uh, how we adjust flavors to what we want them to be. It's all done on fermentation. So getting these like rich dark cacao chocolate flavors from barley, um, and then turning that into chocolate that melts at the same temperature that feels exactly the same. That uh, you know you can put caramel in there. And it's completely vegan and everything like that. It's uh, yeah, it's wild. I think win-win um, is going to be on everybody's lips in a couple of years. But I think right now wow. it's it's uh, yeah, it's up there. Definitely check it out. It's um, yeah, stylized as WNWN, um, or I think they might have changed that now. But it's win-win chocolate. Um, I'm all over that. Yeah, absolutely. My my place. I yeah. think, is, is Seed Library. If you haven't been to Seed Library yet in in uh, Shoreditch. There's a hundred shortage. It's what used to be Ace Hotel. Yeah. Um, the basement bar there, uh, Seed Library, is uh, Mr. Lion's newest expedition, um, and it is like a one of one of the coolest places with some of the most amazing people that I wish I could be um, <laughs> serving drinks and, and. I mean, I know Alex and Matt who work behind the bar. I haven't been in yet, yeah. much to my yeah. own guilt, um, but. I know Alex and Matt behind the bar, a good friend of mine. She uh, she's a big fan of Seed Library yeah. as well, and it's a cool spot. Yeah, need to make a pilgrimage. So um, yeah. yeah, I think that we should all just go to Seed Library. Yeah, and Greg works there as well. So. And Greg works there as well, of course. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I've never met Greg. Like I follow yeah. him on Instagram, but it's yeah. weird for me to go. Oh yeah, my mate Greg that I've never met, never spoke <laughs> yeah, to, yeah. never interacted with. Um, but yeah, I fully, fully agree with all of that. Um, <laughs> right, last but lost, last but not least, uh, mm -hmm. Jack. Obviously, White Box are going through a round of investment right now. Do you want to talk yes. on that real quick before we go? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so uh, White Box, uh, this is our first foray into crowdfunding. So we're on the Cedars platform. That's S E D uh, S E E D R S. 
that's uh, Cedar's platform, and you can invest for £25 or more. Um, this nets you the awesome title of founder, uh, and you can uh, you, you get all sorts of amazing benefits. Um, and if you invest, I think it's it's a it's a substantial whack. Um, you can make your very own white box cocktail with me, and uh, we can bring it to market, and it can have your name on it and all that kind of stuff. So that it, list of twenty six some... might get bigger then. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's there's uh, uh, yeah, there's a few I think we're going to be making, but uh, yeah, there's um, there's some cool stuff you can you can uh, get a, a a white box pocket Negroni um, styled uh, Vespa. And some other cool stuff, but also you're going to be helping us get that get to that next stage. So we're we're just exporting to the states at the moment. Um, we've uh, we've we've seen kind of exponential growth over there. The thirst for canned cocktails over there is, is staggering. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so you're going to help us get to that next stage. And so it will stay uh, around. So we're going to be funding until the 19th of July. So um, if you if you get in before then, um, you can help us uh, jump to that next stage. There you go. And then, Jack, yourself, uh, if people want to get in touch with you, if they want to pick yep. your brain um, and they want to do so without just inviting you on a podcast, haha, um, <laughs> let people know how they can reach you, where they can find you and anything yep. else that you've got going on as well. Sure. Um, so uh, you can find me on Instagram. That's probably where I'm most kind of uh, active. I'm not exactly active uh, all the time now because I've, I've, I'm working in a lightless box uh, working on trying to make new cocktails um, out to the public. But uh, you can find me on Instagram at wearingpants, which is W-A-R-E-I-N-G-P-A-N-T-S, uh, just like my surname. Um, and uh, failing that, you can give White Box Cocktails a message and they'll forward it on to me. It's my very good pal Roman who runs that, so uh, he'll forward it on to me. Uh, you can follow me on, um, on YouTube and check out those videos. That's uh, Jack Wearing Cocktails. Um, and that's that's pretty much it. Other than follow white box, uh, white box drinks, and drink yourself a, a pocket Negroni. Um, that's about all I've got. Jack, thanks a lot for your time, mate. We're all gonna go and drink some whiskey and Petit Falou, and we'll see you on the next episode of I Want to Like Whiskey. Thank you very much, mate. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. This podcast is brought to you by Cotswolds Distillery, a grain-to-glass distillery based in the Cotswolds National Landscape, a designated area of outstanding natural beauty and the home of England's best-selling single malt whiskey. Our philosophy is simple. We make delicious spirits in a beautiful part of the world. The Cotswolds Distillery. Our spirit, your whiskey.